stop, look at the house, take a deep breath, and then go. Too many people come off and they're just grabbing and they're just yanking and running. And it's, it's like their brain has disengaged. There's nothing wrong with taking a, a couple seconds and planning your travel path. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. There's a certain mindset that says it doesn't matter how you start as long as you finish strong. But that's not always true. One example, when you pull your first line in a fire... How you do it and where you do it sets the whole scene for the firefight. If there's confusion about where those initial lines are going, you'll end up with a bowl of spaghetti. Back with me today to explain how and why to best stretch that first line is John Lightley. He's a battalion chief in the Youngstown, Ohio Fire Department with over 20 years on the job. And John Lightley joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Scott, thanks for having me back. So let's get started. The way you start pulling hose often determines how the firefight's going to go. So what's the first thing to consider when you reach for the line? The first thing I always thought of was beyond the fact of which size of hose line, inch and three quarter, inch and a half, two and a half, whatever your department has for their SOP. But my first thought was, where do I need to end up? I think too often we're only focused on where we're starting, that we forget about all the bends and twists inside the structure. So that's a potential to uh, grab the wrong line. But knowing where you need to get to, I think, is one of the first things we need to consider. In training exercises I've seen, it seems like more often than not, somebody will pull a line, go straight ahead, right up to the fire and open the nozzle and they're they're putting water on it. But in reality, there are obstacles, there are corners, there are sort of other things. Is it your impression that there's not enough training on that sort of a thing? I think there's enough training, but I don't think the training is correct. We're very good in the academies or even um, on the apparatus pads of pulling a line and practicing that, but we don't make it as realistic as as the real structure fire is. You go to any training academy, they generally have a wide open parking lot. You say, hey, just head out there 150 feet towards that light pole, and we're going to simulate that's where the door is. And that's just not reality. I think we need to be doing more training, more evolutions with a narrower or smaller environment. Uh, We can set up all kinds of traffic cones and simulate porches and driveways and parked cars. 
But if those cones move, there's no real penalty. Um, you know, we just knocked over a cone that we have to uh, set up. So I don't think our training is necessarily as spot on as it should be. We're getting the reps. We're just not getting quality reps, if you will. When we pull up to the fire, how do we determine where the first line is going to go? Well, first of all, the easy answer is going to be SOP, department um, decisions. I, I don't want to get into about unburned side versus burned side and, and blitz and all that stuff uh, because it does so widely vary and they all have their, their um, places. But quite generally, we need to we need to have an idea of where the bulk of the fire is so that we can either go straight to the seat of that fire or if our policies dictate, we can choose the entrance that will get us closest to the area that we need to protect to kind of put up that barrier between the fire where it's currently at and where it's traveling to. In my situation, in my city, a lot of the times the decision is made for us. We have a lot of uh, arson and in vacant homes. And quite generally, it's easiest to use the door that's already open. I've never gone to an arson fire and had the arsonist board up the door behind him after he left. So a lot of times guys want to spend time beating on the front door when the side door is is wide open. So knowing, knowing what the structure looks like, each different situation can dictate where we need to go. How often have you seen someone pull a pre-connect and come up short? To the best of my knowledge, I know of personally about four times that I've been involved with, whether I was the one pulling the line or was just operating on the fire ground. I think partly it's because so many of our houses are pretty much the same. So the the one particular line will reach 95, 98% of the time. The couple times where it has come up short were because the um, house sets much further back from the road than than you kind of estimated, or there's been a couple times where we got into kind of an old converted frat house type of building, so very large and chopped up on the interior, so you were doing more bending and twisting inside. Now, that being said, there's been a handful of other times that I've seen the wrong line pulled where you came up short, but it was not the line. It was the person pulling the line. They were told to grab the longer one and they made a mental error and grabbed the wrong one. But in my personal experience, Scott, it's, it's, it's not been as, as great as um, sometimes the uh, articles make you think. So then is there a disadvantage to pulling a pre-connect that's too long? There, there definitely is. Our standard setback for our standard structure fire is probably 40 feet from the curb to the front porch steps. So that first coupling 50 feet is generally on the front porch or just inside the front porch. But we do have quite a few sections of town where 40 feet will get you from the sidewalk through the front door into the living room and out the back door of the kitchen with that first 50 feet. So again, just as if you were to pull up to a commercial structure where you needed more line, guys just got to take a moment, stop, think, look at the situation, and not get themselves jammed up with pulling too long of, of a hose lay. Now, one thing we want to avoid is a spaghetti bowl all over the front yard. 
How, how do we avoid that? Is it a matter of pulling the right line or is it a matter of planning where we're going with them or what? I personally think it's both pulling the correct line, no sense in having an extra 50 feet, 100 feet, whatever it is, laying on the ground that you didn't need to begin with. Choosing the correct direction to head away from the pump in will take up some of that spaghetti. But quite honestly, I think it just comes down to the, to the cruise. Stop look at the house, take a deep breath, and then go. Too many people come off and they're just grabbing and they're just yanking and running. And it's, it's like their brain has disengaged. There's nothing wrong with taking a, a couple seconds and planning your travel path, communicating with your driver if he's responsible to pull extra hose out of that hose bed for you. But then just like pretty much everything in the fire service, Scott, it comes down to doing your due diligence on the training ground, practicing, practicing, practicing. There's just one simple little thing that I like to show my guys is that for our hose lines, if you pull the working length of 50 feet and then you just stop, reach back and grab one or two folds down, whatever you can reach. When you pull away from the truck, you've got 75 to 100 feet in your hands, you can still drag up to where you want that nozzle to end up, but you can take more than half the hose load out of the bed without doing any extra work. I'm personally a fan of getting the spaghetti spread all over the front yard, not right by the fire truck. That's just a recipe for disaster. So in other words, you don't want to yank and drop it right on the ground. You want to pull it out onto the lawn. Correct. Correct. We know that we're going to need more hose closer to the house. So why do we start by dropping it closest to the fire truck? Then the other big thing is where we run into problems is you see too many crews stepping over the hose line and continuing on their merry way. If the next arriving company, let's say it was the backup company to assist in moving the first hand line. If each member of that company just stopped and moved six or seven feet of hose, that hose would get moved across that yard so quickly. And everybody would do a little bit of work instead of one person doing a lot of work. Now, I know that you look at YouTube videos of fireground action. What mistakes do you commonly see in those videos? Well, first of all, to be fair, when I look at those videos, I'm thinking, oh, wow, yeah, I've done that before. Oh, ooh, yeah, I've, I've needed to learn from this. So I try to be open and, and honest with myself about it because that just encourages me or spurs me on to do a better job for myself. I think too often we get into just bashing other uh, people, other departments when we don't know the whole scenario. But one thing that I do see was people are just kind of strolling around like, you know, there's no house on fire. Some people advocate running on the fire scene. Some people advocate never running on the fire scene, but move with a sense of purpose. Unfortunately, when you're caught on video and it takes you a minute and a half to get your mask and your hood and your gloves situated, and you can just tell by watching the timer uh, on the video, to me that that's just not a sense of urgency. Quite often you see one person is ready to go, but he has to wait for the other members of, of their crew, and they're just taking an extra long time. So I, I would just like to see a sense of urgency 
from crews, especially when that front door is open. So many pieces of information are out there now that are telling us how that air is being fed into that fire. The guy goes up to the front porch or the entry point, I should say, with his nozzle, kicks in the door, and then it takes the whole crew a minute and a half to two minutes to get dressed. It's no wonder that we're seeing the fire come to meet them at that entry point. So move with a sense of urgency. Don't ventilate before you need to. And uh, just get out on the training ground. You know, I've seen those same videos, and I've noticed that a lot of the comments are usually, wow, you guys are slow. Why are you taking so long? Does it make sense that people are taking their time? I mean, if you're told not to run, that's one thing. And I get that. You don't want to trip. You don't want anyone to get hurt. If they are moving that slowly, what's the problem? Have they been trained incorrectly? Uh, well, that's a great question. I think a lot of it, it comes down to culture, maybe culture of their fire department, a little bit more of a slower-paced mentality, which, again, is not always bad. We do not want to get crews just running straight from the truck to the point of entry without doing their 360, without doing the tactical thermal imaging, without uh, looking at the building construction. We can never tell what's happening off the video. Maybe they're getting information from the homeowner, so forth and so on. But quite honestly, I, I just I think so much of it comes back to training. I was brought up where you had to be fast in training or you were going to hear it from the old older instructors. And that translated over into the fire ground for me. If you weren't quick, you may not have that nozzle in your hand very long. So perhaps some of it does come down to desire. Certainly I can't say what's going on in someone's mind or their emotions, but it's just it's just an overall lack of urgency. And I, I really wish I had a pat answer for that, but I think a lot of it can come down to that training. We don't need a partner to train with. We, there's a lot of things we can do by ourselves to speed up our own time to get better with our own skill set. And sometimes I wonder if people are just not caring enough. I hate to think that, but you just sometimes you wonder. And then to talk about the example that you gave of somebody who opens the front door before the rest of the crew is ready, it seems that that person is being purposeful, but if the crew behind him isn't ready, he probably ought to just wait, even though he's ready, because like you pointed out, you're just feeding air to the fire if you open the door and then stand there. Correct. If the fire is in the room where that door is located, I, I've seen both on video but also on some of our own fire grounds that I've witnessed in person. The guy with the nozzle is ready, but they're not opening the nozzle from the front porch. If your living room is on fire and you're ready on the porch with the nozzle, open it up. The other guy can, can catch up to you. As, as he's coming behind you. If you have to make entry into the house before you can put water on fire, or put water on heat, then close up that door a little bit and make sure the whole crew is ready to go. So both of those options exist. But there's no sense in kneeling underneath fire that's rolling over your head while you're looking to see if uh, your other crew members are ready. All right, some good advice there. John Lightly, thanks for being with me on Code 3 today. 
Scott, I really appreciate it. Just want to thank you for everything you've been doing and, and continue to do. I appreciate it. And we put some more information about how and where to stretch that first line on our website at code3podcast.com slash initial. Check it out. Don't forget, you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. If you get something out of Code 3, please help keep the show going. A buck a month, five, ten, or more, it all matters. Head over to Code3Podcast.com slash support to join the fans who are already supporting the show. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about pulling the first line and getting it into position. Where do you stand? Are you a fast water advocate or do you prefer an aggressive interior attack? I'd like to find out what you think and why. Just email me scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and play your messages on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.